Hello, everybody. If you know me, you know I love physical media. As I speak, I'm surrounded by shelves upon shelves of Blu-rays, ladies. Uh, So I'm happy to be telling you all about some new releases from the good folks over at Severn Films. Now, these guys specialize in strange and unusual cinematic rarities, and I want to specifically talk about the House of Psychotic Women Rarities Collection. Compiled by Severin and weird cinema expert Kayla Janice, the House of Psychotic Women Collection gathers four long-unseen explorations of female madness. You get Elizabeth Taylor in Identikit, the Polish horror comedy I Like Bats, the 1975 Jalo Footprints, and 1972's Harrowing the Other Side of Underneath. Each Blu-ray has been restored from original elements with hours of special features. House of Psychotic Women, the Rarities Collection, available at SeverinFilms.com. Very well done, Eric. And uh, I am here with a message from uh, Screenager Productions, uh, which includes Gory Corey, uh, the youngest correspondent we have ever had at Fangoria or the King cast. She's been on the show several times. On yeah, a, we love a our Gory. Gory, love Gory, Corey. Uh, a, a couple of bonus episodes that uh, really knocked it out of the park. She and her uh, teammate, Fangoria intern Noah Levine, have sent along an ad read they would like to do for something that they're working on. And we are going to read it word for word. It's uh, it's a little different than how Eric and I <laughs> would have written this script, but we love specifically Gory, Corey so much. Uh, we're we're going to deliver this as written. So here we go. Hey, Eric, have you heard about the feature length college themed horror anthology? Welcome week. Of course, I've heard of it. Screenager Productions, the team behind last year's Satan Servant, rounded up a Salem's lot of horror-loving film students, including friend of the show Gory Corey and Fangori intern Noah Levine, to make the ultimate college horror anthology. The film will feature possession, body horror, and, most terrifying of all, communal bathrooms. And they're fundraising even now as we speak. They've raised over half the funds that they need, but these dream catchers only have 10 days left to reach their goals. So don't doctor sleep on this chance to support young horror filmmakers and get some perks worthy of a king. I know the King Cast community can carry them over the finish line. So running man over to Indiegogo and search for Welcome Week to find out how you can support a new school of horror. Corey, Corey. Noah, we hope that you achieve your goals on this. And yes. also, best of luck. Yes. And while we're here, I also need to tell you about our benevolent overlords over at Fangoria. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and the magazine is better than ever, with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your filthy little mitts on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page head on over to fangoria.com right now to learn more and to subscribe and while you're there make sure to enter the promo code kingcast to save 25 percent off your annual subscription now on with the show hi my name is stephen king Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. 
And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Folks, we've got one of my absolute favorite people guesting on the show today. You might be familiar with him via his shenanigan-prone Twitter feed, though you might also be familiar with him through the work he did as a writer on Netflix's Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, or Adult Swim's Final Space. This week, his highly anticipated Kung Fu Panda the Dragon Knight hits Netflix, and we just could not be more excited to see our old pal, uh, working with Mr. Jack Black. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Ben Meckler. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. That was such a sweet introduction. I blushed. You can't tell because oh. we're in different places and there's no video during the No, but I could feel but... it. I, I think I yeah. could feel it from here. Yeah. Also, bit. I'm nude. Well, that I could well, definitely I, yeah, feel. Yeah, I felt that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, a, there was a great disturbance in the force. Yeah. Um, I'm not. You, I just want to get ahead of it before I, uh, somebody finds a video feed from inside my garage. I'm not. I'm wearing, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And <laughs> uh, I am wearing uh, pajama pants and mm-hmm, a hoodie, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. my general, uh, y- you know, uh, my customary dressing for yeah. for doing the show. One thing. One I time didn't we make- did any recording together and you had video on, you had your hood up and it was like cinched shut like you were Kenny from South Park. <laughs> well, well, I yeah. Had to ask you like, how fucking cold is it in your house, dude? What are you doing? Well, and your yeah, answer was keep- that it's very cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep it 64 in my house uh, year round. Yeah. You are speeding no, it's climate not- change along. You're rushing it. No, I'm fucking living the dream, baby. I like it. Right, to you be told me cold. you pipe the exhaust back in so that you feel floaty. <laughs> That's how you put it, right? Rolling cold directly into my living room. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't mention uh, in your intro is that the second season of Mortal Podcast is coming back. Oh yeah, this is. Or uh, ex- excuse me. The, the, let me do that know, again. Man. I can't remember what season it is. Actually, yeah, I, I want to y- say it's like the uh, seventh sixth seventh it should be it should be having it should have just come back by the time this goes up yeah this is going up pretty shortly but uh i i've done that show with you before it is it is fucking hilarious um (laughs) and uh i'm i'm very excited to hear uh what the new season brings it's gonna be a kooky good time um and i'm just calling her out now nia vardalos is gonna do this season and uh instead she's doing instead she's doing my big fat greek wedding three and i want to say first and foremost as a bfg fan um she made the right choice and i'm excited for it uh but secondly i hope i hope that they make more mortal Kombat games in the future so that i have a chance to bring her back because that would have been really fun that's Nia. Yeah, that's, if you're listening, uh, I know you're a dedicated listener to the King Cast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You, you got you got to come on Mortal Podcast. She won't stop sending us emails. Oh, yeah. every fucking day with this. It's like always Nia, up Nia, in our Nia. DMs. God damn. Yeah, Nia. you said she's always texting you the Dark Tower, but with no other like text, no other words, <laughs> right. just the phrase the Dark Tower yeah. uh, once every tack. two or three days she for six like years, right? Tack over and over again. I don't. Yeah, and we're like, <laughs> we don't even know what that is. Okay. We know about your wedding, and that's enough. That is a very good show. I encourage all of our listeners to uh, to check it out. I, I think when I w- who was the character we were discussing when I was on? Oh, who did we talk about? You was it? Onaga, he was horny. The you wanted King? a horny? Yes. Well, they're all horny. It's Mortal Kombat, but I, I think it was. It was. You were Onaga, like, I'm going to give you King. a particularly horny character, <laughs> he, he, he <laughs> and is. I like Googled it to like like yeah. horniest Mortal Kombat, like trying to figure out. Who yeah, for whatever reason, it's it's almost it's not that he's like canonically the horniest. He's one of many characters that have like concubines, but for yeah. whatever reason, maybe because he has 
big tubular dragon man arms and legs and that like does it for people there's a lot of fan, like porny fan art of onaga the <laughs> dragon king um despite the yes. fact that he appeared in like two mortal Kombat games so yeah, uh, as yeah. I as I found out, I believe on the air uh, while Google image searching searching the name, uh, mm-hmm. filthy, just filthy. Not yeah, the, not the well. sort of thing I would ever associate with. Clearly, yeah, but, no, um, not you. Although yes. you did ask me to print out and mail you the picture I made of your face photoshopped onto Onaga, and we don't need to talk about that <laughs> on, okay. on the air or with others listening. Um, Sorry, no, that's fine. Yeah, so you've. You, Kung Fu Panda, the Dragon Knight. Yeah, um, that's the gotta title. Be honest, many words. <laughs> not a. It is. Um, <laughs> I am not well versed in mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda lore, but okay. I am. Like I said in the intro, it's how fucking exciting is it for you to be doing a project with uh, Jack Black? Well, I'll say first off, it's okay that you're not that familiar because, and I, I don't know how clear the messaging has been on this, and and uh, I've tried to tweet about it, but you don't actually have to have seen any of the other Kung Fu Panda things to watch Kung Fu Panda: The Dragon Knight. It plays off of things that have happened in the franchise before, but as far as like canon goes, it doesn't fit anywhere in particular. We pick up some stuff from some movies, we don't pick up some stuff from other movies. It's kind of like its own self-contained thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can jump right in scott you don't have to you don't have to oh, watch i'm anything. gonna jump in baby yeah i gotta i gotta see meckler's new work oh you're gonna you're gonna have a good old time um but it was uh it was a, a i'm a huge fan of the kung fu panda movies so that was exciting but also getting to work with jack again was the best because he's the best dude in the world mm-hmm. he really mm-hmm. is everything he's like uh i've been lucky enough to work with a lot of people that i like grew up watching in like movies and tv shows and i will say like more than probably anyone i've ever met no offense to anyone I've ever worked with. Jack is like exactly who you want him to be and who you imagine him to be. Like, he's just the best dude. Yeah. He seems like, he seems like he would be, a, it would be a party. I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd love to have a fucking beer with that guy. I was at a tenacious D show once. They, uh, they opened for Weezer. First of all, they, <laughs> what first of all, this? they, this, oh man, this was probably about like 20 years ago. Like four. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Was it was in yeah. that. Yeah. It was, it was right in that period. And, um, first of all, they blew Weezer off the stage. <laughs> like, yeah. There was no question like who dominated that night. And, um, I mean, Kyle Gass is a classically trained, like an actual classically trained mm. guitarist. I think yeah. he went to Juilliard. So like. <laughs> Is that a weird way to pronounce Juilliard? I guess I've never really said it out loud because I'm not a classy person. Juilliard, I believe is how yeah. they... Hold on, let me put my pinky out and see if I... Juilliard. <laughs> that sounded better. But I, but I was like right up on the stage for this for this particular show. And yeah. um, I, I, had, I had a number of pre-rolled joints on me, like in a pack of... Mm-hmm. Like an empty box of cigarettes or something. And... Uh, we got them. At one point, <laughs> EA bust into your house. This is at all. At one point, I, I I threw a joint at Kyle on stage, and it like <laughs> bounced off. It bounced off his chest and hit the ground, and he immediately like turned to the right off stage and like gave a backwards nod, and then a guy came running out on stage and grabbed the joint and went backstage. <laughs> <laughs> like saving it for later. <laughs> so that so that implies that that happens like pretty often. Then? <laughs> Apparently, so. another one for the stack. It's, I it's underpants. Somewhat, I have a somewhat similar joint. story about going to a modest Yahoo concert uh, as a teen. Um, who he he's the guy who used to be the like 
Orthodox Jewish reggae guy. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, <laughs> and, I, I and you know, as a young Jew growing up in Florida, it was like, yeah, it makes sense to go to that. Um, but uh, <laughs> he at that concert stopped the concert because people were getting high and like throwing weed to him on stage. And I just feel like, <laughs> regardless of your religious beliefs, like if you're getting into re- into reggae and having <laughs> right. like reggae concerts, like you can't be. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, are you trying to tell me that didn't happen at every right. single Modest Yahoo concert there had ever been? Like, there's <laughs> like, no fucking that's way. Like, that's like Tom Jones getting mad about underpants getting thrown at him on stage. Like, you're being sexy as fuck up there. Like, what yeah. do you expect to happen, <laughs> sir? <laughs> this is your genre. Please. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm really happy to hear that story about Kyle. That's the best thing ever kyle's Mm. also delightful i should say i've also gotten to have the joy of working with kyle Mm. a fun thing that happened semi-recently is the first time i ever worked with jack i was a fucking 20 i don't know 4 25 year old kid working at this company called nerdist making comedy sketches and i got to direct him in a music video Mm -hmm. um that's how you and i uh, met that is how we met do you remember like tweeting at me right yeah (laughs) no i wasn't tweeting at you i was like I was dragging the very concept of this thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were, you were like, well, I had fun making it or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> oh shit. And then I watched it, and it is admittedly great. <laughs> like, there's no. Oh yeah, I was just. I don't there give for a, a shit time. about R.L. Stein or Goosebumps or any of that shit. But it w- it was legitimately great. It reminded me of the uh, uh, the Ghostbusters two theme song a little bit. You know, oh, like yeah. That. Well, that was the goal. I when I was when I was at Nerdist, it was like a lot of the game was coming up with comedy sketches to put celebrities in to promote things they had coming out. And every single thing I just pitched, like we do a post movie like rap video like there used to be in the <laughs> 90s. Everything. I came really close to doing Ant Dance with Paul Rudd for Ant-Man. Oh my and then God. that didn't and then that didn't work out. And I. I feel like I pitched one for something where it was like deeply inappropriate. And that's why I thought it was funny. Might've even been like as above, so below or something where it was like, (laughs) (laughs) which I think was a legendary movie and that's who owned us. So there's a lot of like, could you do this for legendary thing? But, um, I want to do one for Warcraft really bad too, which would have been super funny. Like that didn't work. And it would have cost like $40 million in effects, right? Yes. But, uh, (laughs) it worked out for goosebumps to the extent that they put, actually did put it on some of the like prints that went out like, nationally um oh, oh. which is awesome but yeah that was the first time i ever met jack and i and he like showed up early like crushed like doing an entire music video recording his entire vocal part in like a few hours um and then uh many years later like so- somewhat recently i was in a meeting for another thing with him and kyle and he tried to explain in the meeting the music video and i just <laughs> like because <laughs> we were in a, we were in a meeting with a bunch of people who didn't know about it, but we were talking mm-hmm. about the context of like that was how we'd worked together for the first time, mm-hmm. and like that was a music thing we'd worked on together. And <laughs> seeing another person attempt to explain that in a meeting, let alone like Jack trying to explain that to Kyle, like in a meeting, was like the funniest. <laughs> just watching everyone's ima- like faces kind of like slowly just like go slack like eyes go dead as you're trying to process like so it was a, so it was a parody but not a parody and it was a rap for goosebumps that were the, the it was the joke but straight faced good times good Hell times yeah. though well we're excited to see this obviously i'm uh, excited for people to see it yeah i imagine you you work on these animated pandemic. things that take years to fucking complete 
Yeah. My first week on the job was the week uh, that lockdown started. Well, there wasn't like a real lockdown, but the week that everyone was sent home. <laughs> and I stopped working on it April 2022. So yeah, I'm excited for people to see it. Well, you've been on the show before. You did a commentary with us for uh, Graveyard Shift, I believe. Boy, did I. Patreon. <laughs> yes. On the Patreon. <laughs> but because you have not been in the main feed, I think we need to get your Stephen King origin story for the listeners. I feel like I have two Stephen King origin stories because I had like two different distinct Stephen periods of my life. Mm -hmm. The first one As is did that. As we all. Yeah. The I first one is college. that I, I was like a, I was like a, a horror movie kid, um, but in the context of like universal monster movies. So mm -hmm. I, when I was like four, I think my mom would take me to the library every day. And I'd pick out like movies to bring home to watch, like VHS tapes. And I started, I think I watched like Bride of Frankenstein and was like, this is the best shit ever. <laughs> and so f I literally watched through the entire like catalog. By the time I was like five, um, I'd watched like all of them. So my mom was like, what other like monster movies exist? Because it really wasn't her thing. So she was like, maybe check out Predator. Um, <laughs> and yeah. that that eventually grew to like, okay, so Ben likes to watch like any movie. He can watch anything and that's fine. And, and uh, maybe that's a way for me to like teach him lessons. So she was like, I want Ben to know when I was, this is when I was I def definitely like five years old. She was like, I want him to know not to like go like right up to like any random dog. So she <laughs> sat me down and said, you should watch this movie Cujo <laughs> 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 to teach me to like not, uh, <laughs> you know just approach random dogs be terrified of all dogs for all time <laughs> thankfully that didn't happen but it's like so likely that it could have happened i do remember vividly that uh there's a guy in that movie who was also on a tv show that i was watching at that time called brotherly love that was like the lawrence brothers like matthew lawrence and the other two derivative lawrences joey maybe joey was the main one i don't know there was like one Whoa. main one and then two other lawrences that's the one is that joey yes. Yeah, yeah so there's Joey and Matthew and third, know a and third Lawrence. They had this show and there's a guy who was in that and in Cujo. I remember I had a nightmare about him because it, to me it was disturbing that he had crossed over from the brotherly love like Disney Channel realm into the like horror movie realm. Um, but it did not make me afraid of dogs, thankfully. I still like dogs. I don't know how, but it didn't. But that was my first exposure to anything Steven. Um, and then I feel like I was like aware of him and like, you know, maybe read one or two books, maybe like watch some movies. Um, but it wasn't until I was like an adult, I want to say like maybe 22, 23 when I read dark tower, like on a whim and Ooh. became extremely obsessed and started just like mainlining basically everything he's ever written. <laughs> right. Been. So did you finish um, the whole dark tower series? Uh, I gotta be honest. I'm still on. <laughs> I'm still on book five, and I have been for a couple of years. Mm. Well, well you're, one. you're close to the end. I know that's like the hump you have to get over, and then it gets like better again. I think. I, I think that's pretty fun. Though. I love one through four. I love one through four. Um, I, I think. I think that the the real hump is Wizard and Glass. Because really? it's because I it, love well, Wizard and Glass. I know. I thought it was but amazing. It's, it's so unlike any of the other ones up to that point. And mm -hmm. it also stops the action dead in its tracks to be a you know, a flashback story. 
for right. like 700 pages or whatever it is. You know, we've, we've talked about this on the show before, but like a lot of people, you know, being Vespi and I and other people we've heard from, mm-hmm. uh, we're not prepared for a romance flashback in the middle of, you know, all this other shit that's going yeah. on. Kind of right and at so, like the peak of like, we're going to get into the, some answers now. And then it kind of does stop for like a very long yeah. fantasy yeah. romance. Oh yeah. But it's and so good. It's, so, it's good. so fucking good. I think, you know, uh, what I always like drawing of the three, I think is my favorite of all of them. I think uh, same, yeah. And I, I think, but I also think that Wizard and Glass is the best written of them. But yes. the first time I came to it, I just was not receptive to that. So I, I think that's probably a bigger hump than Wolves of the Colin is like a fucking, it's like a seven samurai riff. Like, what are you doing? Finish this fucking yeah, thing. That's the thing. I'm like, I'm so checked out on the story. I know this is the one he wrote like right after his accident. And so it's like, it definitely has the energy of like revving up the engines again. And I'm just, sure. uh, it's just really hard to get through it. I will get back to it. It's funny because I something I feel like I say to my wife all the time because she she had the same experience as me. Um, we like moved out to LA together around that age, and then both just started reading Stephen King and just almost only reading Stephen King for like years, just like everything he'd written. And uh, I mean, I still have some stuff to read, which is good. I'd be sad if I ran out. But um, where was I going with this? We were, we were <laughs> your wife Tower. had the same experience. My wife. Same experience. Your wife. Uh, my wife. Um, and uh, Wizard and Glass and Fantasy. So, oh, I feel like every season I'm like, it's summer. Uh, I feel like reading a Stephen King book or like, it's fall. That puts me in the mood to read a Stephen King book. And then <laughs> right. eventually I realized I was just saying every season. Yes. And I, ju- I just always want to be reading something he wrote because it's just like. Um, it's Easter, the time for King. Uh, I mean, I, I get it, though. You say that as a bit, but I kind of feel it. Um, but uh, go uh, extrapolate on that. I'd like to hear the. I, I'd like to hear the logic behind that. Uh, to me, Easter is spring. I think of spring. I think I think of yes. the outdoors. Um, and he writes about nature in a really beautiful way, and people being in nature who are city folk like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fair enough. And so there's a there's a textural element. Uh, that makes sense of that for me because I have no religious ties to Easter whatsoever right. as established Jew. So yes. <laughs> I don't, uh, but for me, the Christians, Easter's all about, uh, dead coming back to life. So it's essentially pet there cemetery season. Yeah, so, no, that's true. That's there true. are many pet ways. Pet it's a zombie holiday when you <laughs> yes. get right down to it. Yeah. I always, I always, I can't like keep track. I'm like, is Easter the one where they put him up or took him down? Like, which was the... <laughs> Sorry, you asked me to get sacrilegious. So, uh, yeah, no, I did. I did. I yeah. said, said, bring you that did. blasphemy and you're <laughs> coming in loaded for bear. I love it. <laughs> um, you uh, know what? By the way, I've been thinking about converting to Satanism. Okay. And I've been, I, I've been looking mm. into that. And mm. here's what stopped me in my tracks. Like, I like everything they're saying. I like what these folks are doing. I'm, I'm all in on this. You know, I'm sold. But, if you convert, it's like you got to pay 250 bucks to join. Yeah. And that's then, like half the Steam Deck. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because I tend to think of big purchases in terms of how many consoles it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've always so used yeah. Xbox as a unit of measure for the cost of things. Yes, exactly. Um, what? A $400 fucking toll bill? Like, that's a, that's a whole goddamn console. 
you know yeah i yeah. but it's a dreamcast uh, but yeah i don't like this i don't like this uh paying to get in thing and then there's also the uh yeah there's like a maintenance that like an annual fee or something I thought you were going to say it's like a co-op thing where it's like you have to take a shift to the Satanist church, like doing maintenance. <laughs> like, Oh my God, I would love it. Can you imagine yeah. cleaning think, the toilets? I think they also require you to watch Children of the Corn 4 at least once a year. Not so. worth it. Christ. <laughs> I, I, Speaking of which. Yes. Finding, I, I I'm forcing the segue here because... Uh, uh, Judging by oh, right. the pre-recording chatter, to, uh, yeah. ju- ju- judging by the pre-recording chatter, uh, most of us involved are not exactly excited to jump into this title. No, <laughs> and let me let me set the stage just a little yes. bit here before yes, we yes. start tuning up on this motherfucker. When we started this show, I had only ever seen the first Children of the Corn movie, mm-hmm. and was like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother with all of these other ones. They look like fucking trash. I, I, I don't want anything to do with it." But uh, our friend April Wolf came on the show and did the first one. And then um, we were kind of like, well, we could. Yeah, of course. And and then we were like, well, maybe we could do the second one. And we did that as a commentary with our friend uh, Becca Sup, if I remember correctly. And I was blown away, like by how. Like Children of the Corn 2 is a perfect slice of 90s cheese. Right. I fucking. Like it's it's not a great movie. It's it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. But god damn it, I I love watching that movie. I've, it's I've seen it. A, yeah, it's I've seen it a few times now. And and not in a condescending way either. Like it's a doing exact you, it's making you feel exactly the way it wants you to feel. Yes. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one, uh April came back. We did an episode on that. That was Urban Harvest and uh even that one, like, which changes the the setting, obviously, because it's an urban harvest. Mm-hmm. That so was a, they, that was a thing at that time. Yes, they <laughs> so they head into the big city, the yeah. the the corn boys, and they cause a ruckus over there, right? And there's like, again, not a good movie, but there's really entertaining shit in it. So I kind of enjoyed watching it. And my hope after that was that. Maybe there's a whole world of Children of the Corn <laughs> sequels that, right. that I can embrace and love. And this is just a thing I've been denying myself all the time. All of this came to a screeching halt the second I watched Children of the Corn 4. <laughs> like it is, it is uh it is clear from the get-go that this this movie has issues and uh it you know, kind of beats you over the head with that for, uh, I, I think 84 minutes is the runtime on this thing. It feels like three fucking hours, but, uh, yeah, this one, this one, uh, I would say it broke the curse, but uh, it's not a curse. It was a, it was a blessing before and now <laughs> right. it is a curse, you know? So of course we're going to keep doing these fucking things. I think we're committed now to, yeah, to maybe doing we'll turn all it around. Yeah, I think it'll only get worse. But one thing that that is of, <laughs> uh, of note here is is uh, one. This was a Children of the Corn movie shot in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Huh. Which uh, and clearly on the outskirts. Definitely, yeah, definitely not downtown Austin, um, but like Chainsaw Massacre country, and that's kind of the yeah. weird vibe that like the Karen Black's house has. It feels more like it should be in a Chainsaw Massacre for some reason. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Naomi Watts, 
uh, is like one of her first um, starring roles. And you can hear her very, very clearly uh, trying to cover up her accent uh, in this. (laughs) Um, But there is something in, and I will say this, you know, to open positively, Naomi Watts is just, she's a movie star, right? And she is a movie star here. You know, she's very, uh, you know, wet behind the ears and, you know, she's not able to kind of have the full control of, uh, you know, that she would like display like the ring that would like propel her or to superstardom or, mm-hmm. or uh, Mulholland drive or something. Right. Or Kong with Jack black. There you go. Look at that. We, we found a connection. Oh, uh, there it is. Uh, now it makes degrees. sense. Yes. So that's how, that's, that's how uh, Ben got in uh, on this nonsense. No, I, um, I, I just want to interject really yeah. quickly on the Naomi Watts thing. Yeah. Uh, respectfully, total smoke show in this movie. That's all I have to say on that. Well, in every movie. Yeah. Particularly here. She's one of the like most gorgeous human beings that's ever walked the earth. That's not, Uh, of course it goes without saying she looks a little different here though. She, um, there's, there's shots in this movie where she looks a little bit like, uh, mid nineties, Bridget Fonda, which I was, I was really like, you know, taken aback by because I, I, that's a comparison I was not expecting to make. And, You know, but it but it is in there and she's delivering a performance that is way better than this fucking movie deserves. Yes. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like she's yeah, kind of what I'm getting at is that, yeah, that she's a movie star and she is starring in this movie and is in m- almost every frame of the movie. So so there's at least something to hold on to when you're when you're watching this and uh, on that aspect. But yeah, there. I just wanted to start off uh, with a positive foot since I don't think there's going to be much positivity to be had for the rest of this episode. And on that on note, it. Ben, um, <laughs> this is typically the point in the uh, conversation where we allow our guests to uh, tell us what this movie is about. Can you lay out the <laughs> plot for Children of the Corn 4? Um, I mean, like, do you want the setup or do you want like the whole the whole shebang? I don't need, I don't need beat by beat, but like, what is okay. this movie about? Naomi Watts, whose character has a name, uh, comes home <laughs> to Nebraska. It's Grace, by the way, it, Grace comes home to Nebraska because her mom uh, is unwell. She is having visions. She's oh. agoraphobic, and she, yeah, she's having visions that children are uh, coming to her house and uh murdering her so grace comes home and uh her little brother and little sister are there who seem way too young to be the uh the children of of her her mother um right which you know might may or may not become a plot point um and (laughs) and uh which i thought was we'll get into that but that was kind of cool but uh yeah she comes back and then um she's gonna go work at the local doctor's office um you know, which is, it's implied that's maybe something that she used to do. And I think she's in med school. She's supposed to be away at med school. I don't know. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't care. uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter. And uh, (laughs) so she goes to work at the doctor's office, which becomes relevant because suddenly all the kids in town start acting real weird after, Mm -hmm. after a, uh, after a a very thirsty man digs a skeleton out of a well. Yes. (laughs) Skeleton (laughs) juice. Um, that, turn, that turns into crickets. That turns into crickets. Um, he drinks skeleton juice, and then that—that's when things start getting weird. Um, and all the children in town get a fever, mm-hmm. and they show up at the hospital at the same time. And then uh, let's just say these children start getting real of the corn. <laughs> yes. 
They get some weird ideas along the yeah. way. Let's yes. just say you might want some liquid mercury or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it should be noted that this is uh, the movie within the Children of the Corn franchise that like breaks uh, canon essentially and just like is a soft reboot. It's not even called Children of the Corn 4. It's called The Gathering. So it's Children of the Corn, The Gathering. Um, what? The, the, I'm looking at the poster right now and it says Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering. Yeah, it says 4 on it. It says Children of the Corn, The Gathering on IMDb, and IMDb's never wrong, babies. Should we email I'm the, at the writer poster, director? Son. There is yeah, no it's poster. Got a little, it was a direct-to-video movie. It doesn't count. You're talking about video It's got a little Amish boxes. boy on the cover, and he's holding a Someone very tiny Someone find me site. a photograph of the VHS. I, I'm looking tape. at the same thing. It's on IMDb, too. My, the point being, of course, it's it's wanting to be tied into the the uh the thing it's still called children of the corn something the mythos uh, but but uh there is no isaac this this isn't the same batch of corn kids this is like a whole new thing that in uh, tale that involves a a 1950s uh a child preacher that was tortured and then killed and then uh he's coming back for his revenge so that like there is no he wa- who walks behind the rose although i did read they deleted a, a reference to that um uh smart yeah but i i kind of assumed that the kid was supposed to be i mean we'll get into this later but that it was some kind of like an explanation of the he who walks behind the rose but maybe i misunderstood and i'm looking at the vhs tape and it says four on it eric it does yeah well i'm looking at it too (laughs) motherfuckers i agree on that (laughs) eric you lied uh, Why did you lie to your listeners IMDb when lied. they put so much trust in you? <laughs> and that beautiful Well, this cover movie lied by saying that Stephen King's a writer on it. So there you go. That's mm-hmm. that's that's there. fair. He gets a win. Um, so um, where do we, where do we really begin in terms of you know this movie <laughs> is a pinata. We right. got to plan our attack strategy. Like where <laughs> are we starting here? Is it the is it the I mean, leaden pace of the it. fucking thing? Uh-huh. Is it, yeah. you know, is it the... <laughs> yeah, it, let, let's start there because there, there's also a cheapness to this that uh, is extremely evident. Like 80% of it takes place either in the mom's house or in the, the weird doctor's office. that, And both are just like <laughs> very obviously uh, sets, right? And yeah. then you, the other 20% we'll get to go into a barn maybe or... You know, or a field of corn, a field, right? And Children of the Corn Part Two gave us like you know that house on stilts. You know, it's like we had production sure. value. We had old ladies flying through bingo parlor windows. Like with not, we don't get none of that here. Although mm-hmm. we do get the guy that plays the old Private Ryan and Saving Private Ryan. Uh, oh my God, that was him. That was him. Uh, he was also the the uh, guy in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think that like that Val Kilmer has the, the gut wrenching scene with the, the father of the, the girl or whatever at the end. Um, oh, the kind of really sad scene. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, most notably the old private Ryan is in this as like a drunk guy. He's the guy that drinks the, the farm water. Skeleton that's juice. what the fucking, juice. that's where he was from. I, when yeah. I was watching this, I was like trying to figure out who that was and I didn't know the character name. So I couldn't like, Right. You know, look it up. Right. And I had no idea who this guy was. I just knew I recognized his face, but that's exactly what it's fucking it is. from. It's I loved how Ryan. inexplicable that guy was. He he did like a classic, like weird old drunk performance, but his uh-huh. introduction is like, 
he just fucking walks through like a field of corn going, (laughs) drink some some booze and then then just wanders directly into like an old shed. He's like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and then like (laughs) drinks out of a bucket of water that turns into crickets and then goes, ah, it's like killed by. Yeah, then he gets impaled by the well. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's like this whole like mousetrap thing that that the the evil uh, <laughs> yeah. kid set up to where he's crawling, trying to get a bo- a bottle of whiskey that's in the corner, and he goes through like this what looks like a medieval torture device that clearly has spikes and shit. To mm-hmm. and then the evil corn child uh, from the well comes up, and uh, and there's all these like pitchforks and hose and sides and shit that are just hanging by ropes Loosely from the ceiling. Tied yeah. to, to the beams from the, in the ce- ceiling. Right. With the, with the cheapest ropes that production could find. <laughs> right. They're like they're like you they're can imagine Amazon how, basics ropes, yeah. You like yes. you can like watching that scene I was I was thinking and and the and the dangling instruments of death play a part in the fucking end of the movie too. <laughs> right. But like the first time I'm Yeah, they're like thinking, that was a good idea. We're bringing them back. <laughs> <laughs> they, but like you can imagine how the script is written that there might be you know these these stabbing instruments dangling from ropes in a barn you know and you're picturing you know kind of thick naughty ropes that yeah, naughty ropes not not naughty but naughty you know what i'm saying <laughs> and uh you know but like just clarifying because naughty ropes could have a completely different meaning yeah, but yeah, they yeah. clearly went to like a boat store where you would get like the right. the the nylon cords that aren't too thick <laughs> uh-huh. to like tie up your boat at the dock, yeah, and 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 then they they fall on the guy, uh, but it it looks so so fucking cheap in execution. Also, like K and B effects worked on this. A lot of the makeup work and it's it's subpar. It's just subpar across the board. Like, Although they did do a hell of a life cast on that guy because there's a moment later where his decapitated head is thrown to a cop mm-hmm. and it looks pretty legit. I, I got to say they got the life cast right. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's like a scene where like uh, the the boys, uh, one of the boys that gets sick and turns into a, a corn child or whatever, his mom gets attacked and like her fingers get chopped off and it looked, you know, it, she's also she's a woman of color and it, like it just looked like they didn't like have the right shade or something for the, for the fingers. <laughs> it was weird. It, it's like, yeah, it, I don't know. It was, it was funky at times for sure. But uh quality life, life cast on the, on the head of, of elder Ryan. I do uh, like I the way that you that. phrased it of uh, throwing it to a cop. Cause that is like straight up what happens in that scene. Like the yes. cop wanders through the field, chasing a kid and the kid's like, Hey cop. And the cop turns, yeah. he's like, huh? And he just like, you know, underhand lobs him a burlap sack full of decapitated head. Yep. And then the cop looks at it and is like, huh? And then gets like stabbed from behind. So I guess that was part of the plan. Like, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess uh, not Isaac like said to this kid, like, hey, do me a solid. Here's a burlap sack with a head in it. Throw this to the cop. So he looks at you or at the head. And then that'll give me the opening to stab him in the back. <laughs> With a scythe. <laughs> Got it. Break. Is it Josiah? Uh, is that, is that the, the one that's not Isaac? Is it Josiah? It's not Isaac the... and it's not Malachi, and therefore it does not fucking matter. Yeah, Josiah, Should we just I talk think. about who the villain in this movie is and the weird origin story for this kid? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Weird like like kryptonite that, the... that comes with it? Yeah, sure. Like, go for it, it. This doesn't really get unveiled until the end of the movie. 
by like two random uh older women that we have seen like (laughs) once um yep but like this is my best understanding of it please tell me if i'm right Mm, go for a long time ago a woman in town had a baby and gave the baby up because she couldn't raise it wasn't ready to be a mom uh the baby was taken in by some like tent preachers like revival yep. preachers revival yeah. preachers yep yep they raised the baby into like the young sheldon of <laughs> preachers like a real right. like lights camera jackson situation where it was like the gimmick was he's a kid but he's so good at being a preacher right am i right so far is this correct you're you're on you're on it let's go keep I'm going to be honest like, i saw this movie two days ago and i don't fucking remember but but this is me yes this, I, sounds this is right. hopefully right eric says i'm correct you're correct so, but i also I mean, said when it, has he been wrong before so other than moments ago when he said that it didn't say four <laughs> right, yeah, I've never been wrong. <laughs> um <laughs> so then they didn't want him to grow up because they were making money from people that were like, we got to go see that kid preacher. Yep. And so instead of putting like uh, growth stunting drugs in his cereal, they, this is where I really don't know. Did they just like do black magic or something? No, they, they, um, they poisoned him with Quicksilver to, That's what to keep him young, which, which is why he has an aversion to Quicksilver uh, later, which comes okay. where they lace uh, shotgun pellets, but only two shotgun Does that make sense? With Quicksilver. Is that possible to give someone Quicksilver? Did they just make up a thing? Like, what would it, think, what would it mean to give true. someone Quicksilver? So if you gave I mean, someone Quicksilver, it would make them stay a kid forever? Not quite, but I think that it, it's, stunt, it's poisoning them and, and it's stunting their, like, their development, right? So I think that that's... I mean, listen, I'm not a scientist, uh, and I don't I, think anybody who worked that on this Quick movie. I Quicksilver is poison. Right. But I think the part that I was confused about was they just dose him with Quicksilver. Yeah. So he stays well, a kid for. One of those old ladies mentions that. Uh, um, that they like did the growth hormone shit too. That like they did every trick that they could, oh, including shit. like locking him up and like restricting his movement so he wouldn't like grow and shit. So. Okay. They give well, this, like, one of us wasn't backstory. texting while watching the movie. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he, okay. So they did, they threw the book at him, uh, growth stunting wise. And then he, eventually the people in town were like, this is fucked up. Let's kill him. Right. Like they're like, he's been a kid too long. It's time to kill this kid. Was that what happened? Or no, they just abandoned him there. Right. They just ditched him. I- that's a good question. I watched this last night and my, my memory is that it was um, people stopped in the stories that people stopped going a- as much and then they didn't need them anymore. Um, but my, my, I don't remember them saying this, but my like core feeling was that it was the, the people who took him in, like just like wanted him gone and, and like tried to like, and killed him and buried him. But I, I could be very I, wrong. I'm not as, as as sure as that as I am about the Quicksilver bit. My my recollection hearing you say that, if I, if I remember correctly, it was like the people stopped coming, so the priests like abandoned him, like left him behind, which is what connects him to Naomi Watts's kid later. And then he was alone there for a while, and then started doing evil shit out of like spite like dark magic or something the kid started doing that and then people came and throw him threw him down the well this is 
the big takeaway from this is that they figure out that that he doesn't like mercury or quicksilver because he was poisoned with it and and that's their key to and that's to, his uh, blood right his blood is quicksilver now i don't think so because they, they laced they laced the shotgun pellets with quicksilver and they're like we only got two shots so make yeah. it count but then they, they poison that water the water with more quicksilver right um and, and they gremlins uh, so him. The, yeah, they gremlins him at the end where she takes her regular bullet that's left and he's got her cornered and Naomi Watts shoots the water spigot and it, it uh, drenches him and he, he melts like uh, the Wicked Witch. Yeah. He looks like or like in Gremlins when the thing gets in the fountain. It's yeah, like, that's what I thought like of. like that sort of thing. It was a real yeah, trope ben- in like a 10 year span of like. Maybe somehow we melt the bad guy at the end by doing something <laughs> like it's incredible that you mentioned that right now, <laughs> because yep. right before we recorded this episode, we recorded one that won't air for a while, uh, uh-huh. for a couple of months. And uh, we had a whole fucking conversation about this, but the melting of the bodies in the 80s, this was yeah, just yeah. Like 80s a- and 90s was all about fucking melting people. Yeah, right. The it really feels like melting people. has been out of vogue for a long time, but no, it the, had the a fucking moment. dude, the fucking dude in RoboCop, you know, yeah, that, that yeah. gets the the toxic sludge on him or whatever, and he explodes when the car hits him. You know, oh yeah. My th- my theory was that they just really perfected this gag in in that era, and then you know everything like basically they you know just did it and everything because it was an easily executed idea. Hmm. That makes sense. It's time. Thank you, Mr. Zombie, sir, for ushering in yet another mid roll ad read. I'm first mm. up and I'm here to tell you about feels a CBD based product. Whose goal is to help its customers reduce stress, pain, anxiety, and sleeplessness. I myself have some weird sleep shit I deal with and can find myself on wildly swinging schedules, much to a Wampler's annoyance at times, I must add. Yes. And products like Feels helps me regulate these swings. Feels isn't designed to get you high, which is probably why I'm allowed to have it delivered right to my door in this godforsaken state of Texas. Uh, but rather, <laughs> uh, rather it wants. Yeah, fuck you, Texas. Uh, but rather relax you with just a few drops under your tongue. It's not about what you feel. It's what you don't feel. It's natural. Won't screw up your day. It's not addictive and help some of that well-earned anxiety melt away. Win-win. I say, if you sign up with feels at F E A L S.com slash King you get 50% off your first order and free shipping. They offer up that magical elixir you can subscribe to. You can also, uh, get these new CBD infused mints as well. If that sounds up your alley, go to feels.com slash kingcast for 50% off. Start feeling better with feels. That's right, Eric. And I'm here to tell all of our listeners about the good folks over at Athletic Greens, also a sponsor of this week's show. Uh, We use Athletic Greens products literally every day here at Kingcast HQ. I started taking them because, quite frankly, I need them. Uh, You know, I am not the most uh, vitamin efficient human being. (laughs) Would be a good way of putting it. You know, uh, vodka doesn't contain any vitamins. Uh, at last I checked, nor do uh, like fruit snacks or I don't know, anything else I put in my body. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the point being that 
Athletic Greens has given me this blast of vitamins every day when I take it. I genuinely feel better since I've been doing that. Has that has that been the case on your end? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like when I when I uh, get in the habit because I'm really bad at breaking habits. So like I'll get in the habit of taking my Athletic Greens like it, every day for a week, and then I'll I'll miss one and I'll forget and then get off. And I'm like I definitely don't feel as as energized when when I do that. And then I get back on it. and I'm like I'm an idiot. I need to keep chugging this uh, this right. water, this sweet sweet green water. Yeah, it doesn't taste like it's super healthy. Uh, in fact, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each week. I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging all of the things. It even supports mental clarity and alertness, which is something I definitely need while recording this show. Also, it's recommended by pro athletes, not just pudgy podcast hosts. <laughs> so right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's cheaper than purchasing all the separate ingredients yourself and all for less than $3 a day. One scoop, Cup of water, every dime, boom, you're done. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash kingcast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well done. Now I think it is time to get back into that lovely discussion with Mr. Ben Meckler about some boys that reside in corn. What? What? Could be. Ben, what was your level of familiarity with the Corn Boys series? I actually, that's one that I haven't gotten around to reading and I hadn't seen the first movie. So two nights back to back, I watched the first movie and the fourth movie, but I had seen uh, Urban Harvest. You watched the two worst. Uh, okay. Yeah. You, so you had seen Urban Harvest. Okay. Yeah. So Urban Harvest is the only one I had seen until, <laughs> until the last couple nights. How did you, how did you come to just watch Urban Harvest? Uh, that one sounded like the most fun. <laughs> the idea, the idea, the, the mere title Children of the Corn, colon, Urban Harvest. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just the idea of being like, because every franchise eventually gets around to like, we're going to the big city. Like, you even get, you got Jason Takes Manhattan. You got other examples that make me sound smart that I can't remember. Um, (laughs) And then... uh, Critters Critters went to the the city with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, can you guys yeah. just like look this up later and deep fake me saying a bunch of other titles <laughs> to prove my point and then just like pretty edit much it any in. like leprechaun, anyone that ended up in space went leprechaun to a big city hood. first. Yeah. Yeah. So well, leprechaun went to the first before you hear urban harvest and it sort of raises a, a particular idea. And it's just it, it's yeah. not it, it's not this was just bad. the funniest one to me to be like the point of the franchise. <laughs> I at least was aware of like the point of the franchise is there's a monster in the corn and all the corn kids are acting kooky and it's like playing <laughs> off of the fears of like being out in like the middle of nowhere in a rural area where kids could like take a town. I knew all of that stuff just based on like 
yeah, reading the horror magazines and like play talking about stuff on the playground. Probably I saw some of different movies in the franchise on TV. So I knew enough to be like the fact that that franchise was like, and now we're going to the city. I'm like, are you bringing the corn? Is it just the kid? Like, how is this going to work? And it definitely, that movie delivers on everything Mm. (laughs) you hope comes with that title. It's fun. That it's it's fun. It's cheap. Yeah. It also has a another young blonde starlet in in it. That Charlize Theron shows up at the the mm-hmm. end of that movie. She's like a fucking cameo. Yeah, thing. she's like an extra, basically. Yeah. Well, an extra that the director is obviously infatuated with because he keeps like focusing on her during the entire well, it's Charlize chaos Theron. You know, I mean, of course, Theron. Theron? I, n- I never know how to... I thought it was You want to like check how old she was when she filmed that before you continue wherever you were going with that? <laughs> no, nope, I'm going to leave it right there. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. But, hey, it wasn't me being <laughs> creepy with a camera. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you'd seen Urban Harvest, so you were familiar with He Who Walks Behind the Bros, because he makes quite the appearance. As, as familiar as one yes. can be based on the way Urban Harvest portrays that concept and character, <laughs> yes. Right. So were you were you surprised when He Who Walks Behind the Bros, which has been a staple of this sequel or, or this franchise since time immemorial, even <laughs> though you hadn't seen those movies, were you expecting that element to be in this movie? Honestly, for whatever reason, in my mind, I was like, oh, are they trying to tell us like the secret origins of He Who Walks Behind the Rose, like that it's this kid that turned into this thing? And I now like this, this is a movie theory. where, like, in yet another I think that form, was the original this kid is back. Yeah. I, yeah, I like the theory, but I don't think the movie sticks that landing, if that's the point. No. Well, it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick any landing. Like, I get the, so, like, I get the impression know. that he who walks behind the bros has been around for millennia. Yeah, right? it's, it's, way, it's way less creepy if it's just some fucked up preacher kid versus, you know, whatever this right. monster like that's corrupting Steve, religion like around King. it. Yeah. I guess the other way that I saw it as possibly this is the answer was the possibility that like that's what corrupted this kid. Like he got fed Quicksilver and then uh, and then and then got chucked into the well. And then he who walks behind the corns was like, no, you're my row beast now and like turned him into the uh, juicy skeleton uh, (laughs) mercury blood kid. Yes. And what the fuck is it with Naomi Watts and children and wells in horror movies? Like, it, it, was she typecast early on? I feel like she was. Yeah. Why did this and then the ring? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She was in the ring. Yeah. And remember so. in King Kong, there was that sequence where the kid falls in the well and they spent 45 minutes with her trying to fish the kid out. Yeah. It was yep. 90 minutes, I believe. Yes. Of the total five hour. Well, if you're, if, I mean, but they were, that's only because they were intercutting. With Adrian Brody at the bottom of the well trying to push the kid up. But like her yeah, her screen time was forty five minutes. Yes, that's that's sure. who I'd send down a well is Adrian Brody. Well, he's he long. looks he, he well, looks, yeah, he's long. He looks slippery. Like he looks like he could handle him. You know, yeah. joke, like <laughs> no, but like Adrian Brody looks like he could handle himself in a well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's got well vibes. I see it. <laughs> oh my god. You guys are on to something because that deleted scene that I, I mentioned has Jane and Rosa Nock telling Naomi Watts's character how the children called Josiah by a different name. He who walks behind the rose. And they, so 
they cut that, but that oh. was that feeds into your your theory that that was the original intention. Well, there so. you go. And to clarify, well, that's the two. Yeah, that's the two random old ladies who kind of just show up at the end in info dump. Yes. And the reveal, right? Is it like one of them is the mother of Josiah? I d- or I, I didn't get that, but that no? that could absolutely have uh, been something that just went over my head because there is that that whole thing where Naomi Watts, you realize that her sister, her younger sister is actually her daughter that he, that she left with her mom. So she can go off to school, and, but she doesn't know. Y'all paid this close thing. attention to this yeah. movie. I don't remember any of this. I just watched it. <laughs> like, well, well the, she has a big <laughs> moment where Naomi Watts has like, just randomly tells uh, the dad, uh, a, a character named Donald, the dad who's, wife got killed and son went missing and then like somehow just turned ends up teaming up with the Naomi Watts character for no reason. It's not like they knew each other or anything. He just shows up to the doctor's office and, and holds a shotgun on her and tells her that the kids are going crazy or whatever. Right. Um, Has he been in anything else? Cause he had a really weird energy in this movie and I was interested mm. to see like <laughs> actor's name is Brent Jennings. That's definitely a name a person could have. He was in Moneyball. <laughs> he was in Moneyball? Playing Who did he play? Named Ron Money? Washington. John Jonathan Monies. Yes. Okay. He, he, Rob Mr. Wa- Ball. Okay. He was in he, a judge huh. in an episode of the newsroom. Okay. This is all a, a electrifying yeah, a show. That was actually yeah, full of great, great, yeah. great podcasting right here. Mm-hmm. But um, um, what did yeah. you all think of the doctor's death? By the way, like he like I'd like um, to talk about that this was some of the craziest shit I've seen in a movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I like, want to step through every beat of it because that is seared into my it. brain. The answer to your first question, Scott, was like the reason I remember any of this well is that the whole movie I was saying in my head, like, come on, Ben, come on. You have to pay attention. You're going to have to talk about this on a podcast. You can't let Scott and Eric down. You have to you have to remember some of this movie. And I genuinely was like, I was really I was like. Do it. And then I also like, I always have that voice in my head where I'm like, making movies is hard. So, you know, sometimes people don't try their best, but you can't just assume that. Um, you know, the, people tried. They tried to make this movie good. Like, there's stuff that's, there's always something worth it in it. Like, it, people should be making art. So, uh, um, so I was trying really hard to study uh, while I was watching it. And then, yeah, so that scene is unhinged. It's like part of a plot line of saying that. Um, there's a scientific thing happening when all the kids get fevers and then like they try to explain right. that element of children of the corn. They're like, right. when the kids get fevers and then turn evil, it's because their blood is being replaced through, I guess like Wi-Fi with right. old people blood. And in this movie, it's specifically the blood of like, I guess every kid that was wronged in the past was that. <laughs> yes. So then and there's a yeah, couple we get, of we get twins. That twins. Yeah. The twins backstory. Yeah. Right, right. There's a, there's a couple of twins. <laughs> like the doctor very nonchalantly is like, Oh, everyone's kids keep saying unsettling shit. Ah, leave him here. I'll stay overnight with them. <laughs> yeah, um, that, and that, I we will need to live. take a second on that, by the way, because like the mom shows up to the doctor's office with a pair of sick twins who are like <laughs> saying their names aren't their names and are giving her hell. And he goes, well, let me, why don't you, you need some sleep. So just let them spend the night with me, an old man doctor at this country doctor yeah. office, not like a hospital. Right. You know, he specifically, like he specifically says, don't come back until you've had 10 hours of uninterrupted <laughs> sleep. And at that yes. point I paused the movie 
and turned to my wife who we're raising a one-year-old mm-hmm. and I said to her, can you imagine what it would feel like to sleep 10 hours uninterrupted? And we actually didn't put the movie on again for like 20 minutes because we just spent like 20 minutes talking about what it would feel like. How, how nice it would be. <laughs> to sleep so you're hours? saying you 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 buy like at that moment as a parent you're just like fuck it i need the sleep well i'll take the chances i was working that out i was like because that's her response her response is like my kids have had a, an insane fever then i took them home and they started saying like my name is gretel yeah my name's donald and like mm-hmm. doing weird shit and like throwing things and then she brought him to the doctor's office and the doctor essentially blew her off and was like, eh, go sleep 10 hours. Your kids are just being fucked up. And I was like, if that happened to me, would I be so relieved by the prospect of 10 hours that I would respond the way she does, which basically is like, huh, thanks. I could use the break. It's <laughs> like earlier that day, she was like, my children are dying and brought yes. them to the, like, the emergency room. And now uh-huh. she's like, oh, I could use some rest. Great, take a... <laughs> Yeah, nothing could possibly go and go wrong leaving preteen boys with a, a strange adult man. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing it does seem like a small town there. where it's like that's been their doctor since they were born. So like, I kind of get that. I, but but yeah, but then like right but, after that, he starts talking about like beating him and shit. You know, it's like it it, it gets in, yeah. turned in a weird. weird he gets aggro territory. real go ahead, quick. Go ahead. He like I he like brings him into a room and is like, "What are your names?" And they're like, they say the fake names again. And he basically gets in their faces and is like, listen to me, you little shit. That's not your fucking name. I know who those kids were. Those kids were kids who got killed here a long time ago that I heard of once. Um, and you're <laughs> just saying that that's, their, that's what your names are. And it's messed up. And he's ignoring the fact that like these kids are not old enough to read, let alone like <laughs> be told and, and maintain in their memories like the saga of these murdered kids or abused kids from like 60 years ago. Anyway... He he basically says yeah. he's going to beat the shit out of them if they don't stop saying that their names are like Ronald and Donald. <laughs> and and I, then they disappear. I would like to, and then he walks into a hallway. Go ahead. This is really the moment I wanted to get to. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's two yes. things going on here I want to focus on. The first of which is that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the twins sort of come out on a uh, what do you call it? Like a it's like a rolling bed. Is there a word for that? Like a like a hospital bed kind um, of. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's, it's a like a gurney. Bed. They're all on wheels, right? aren't they? Gurney. Yeah. It's yeah, a gurney. gurney. It's a gurney. Yeah, a gurney. Yeah. A gr- yeah, yeah. It's a gurney, of course. A gurney. So, like the funniest shot in this entire fucking movie is a reverse shot of the gurney going up the hallway after they have already like slashed him once with something. The doctor, I a mean. A little handheld scythe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's like a kid sitting on, like one of the twins is sitting on top of the fucking gurney and just mm-hmm. like wildly waving around these instruments of death in his hands. Mm-hmm. That is fucking hilarious. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I could not stop laughing. Like I rewound it three times just to see this <laughs> shot. Conceptually, and- that scene just like a little extra context is like he's standing in the middle of the hallway, and from either side of the hall, the twins start sliding in with their gurneys and slashing with mini scythes. It's like the yes. the most like '90s extreme sports like horror movie kill. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I totally understand how my brain at that time when I was like seven or eight years old would have come up with the exact same 
sequence. Oh, totally. And been like, totally. this is cool. And then there is, of course, the death of the Doctor, who is uh, quite literally torn in half by a sliding tray at the end of this gurney. Um, you just said sliding tray like that. <laughs> that is not what it is. The what gurney. Is it? He basically. I mean, it's, like it's some a sliding. It's a tray where and like it someone like out. it's it's, a, it's a, a sharp metal sheet. I mean, regardless of what the thing is, like you said, slide out like that was just like a thing that could happen. It's right. literally like someone affixed some kind of like you know you know in a like a guillotine blade or something. Uh, what well, is it? No, it's Which, not a fucking that, blade you know that though. It's like bit where someone like clicks their shoes together and like a little like switchblade pops out of the front of the shoe. Mm-hmm. It's like someone a stat like someone. <laughs> You know that bit. It's in lots of genre yes. films. Yeah, I think maybe Wild it's like Wild it West, just slides out. Someone it. clicks their heels and something comes out of the front of their shoe. Is yeah, that what yeah, you just said? Yeah, like, like a James knife, Bond, like a James Bond thing. Yeah, it's a James Bond. Oh, thing. okay, okay. It's, I got you. I got yeah, you. I got you, you like you like you like tap your shoes together. You knock your shoe against something, and then you have like a little spring loaded like switchblade that pops out of the front of your shoe, so you can like kickstand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There. <laughs> It's basically that. It's like someone spring-loaded a sharp metal, yes, sheet, like you're saying. Um, it's not sharp. And it somehow to this gurney. It is sharp. It, it makes oh, like a sheet sound sharp. It, like, comes out. It's not sharp. It's got a dull edge to it. It's a fucking... Look, the, the tray that extends <laughs> indeed slides out from under the gurney. Yeah. So I'm not wrong in calling it a sliding tray. First and foremost, I want to make it, that like not your, like well, I'm not your, as wrong. Was your read as, that that was like a normal thing that was supposed to be a part of the gurney? Because in in my read of yes, the situation, because I think that, like, I think that I think that some gurneys maybe have that so you can extend the legs of the patient, or you know you need more room okay. to work with or mm. whatever. But the edge of it is dull as shit. Like it is. I I, I watch this very closely <laughs> and. It, Doc Rob would beg to differ since he gets cut in half by it. Well, he went out like a bitch. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> but I don't think that that the gurney traveling at seven miles an hour uh, with that blunt edge mm-hmm. would rip a man in half. I just don't. <laughs> I don't see it happening, frankly. And and so this gotta, to me is like the most the memorable again. memorable sequence in the movie. But it, but it is like they turned the the gurney into an, like an exacto knife or something, right? You know, yeah, it my, doesn't have a sharp edge. In my memory edge. of the scene, it was like it's, they had it, somehow rigged to, it, it, whether or not it, it it does in reality because you see the see the the bullshit effect at, at work is irrelevant because it's meant to imply it's a sharp edge and that's why it cuts them in half. No, I so, I get like what they're yeah. aiming for here, but yeah. couldn't you have made it a sharp edge? somehow make it look like it yeah i don't know movie magic too much ben, I, it looked thoughts. sharp to me i'll just it looked sharp to me <laughs> if it, we could me, if we could frame like, by frame like, this motherfucker if we went zapruder film on this right now <laughs> i promise you it is like a dull edge like I i'm have, gonna i'm trying to look it up while we're talking and i can't find it because no one bothered you putting did, any clips from this movie on youtube you didn't even know that that uh, the the little girl was was Naomi Watts's daughter. That's true. Yeah. So but I, I know a sharp stuff. edge when I see one. <laughs> I know it would obliterate a man, and it's not like a, a little tray at the end, of, like the little extender at the end of a a, a, a 
a gurney, you know, it and, and rip him in. The way in that it looked to it me like was like they were trying to convey to us that that these kids had somehow uh, arranged, like rigged a gurney to be to specifically serve the purpose of being a person chop and halfer like that they had somehow gotten their hands on like a sharp piece of metal that came out like a switchblade and like devised some kind of device it didn't it looked so far and it did not even occur to me that it could be something that was meant to be a part of the gurney to begin with that they had just used yeah, well for not haven't, you, haven't you been in a doctor's office before and you're laying on the bench in the fucking room and they have the the butcher's paper down and then the, but there is an extender at the bottom of the table i've never been like, to the doctor I, before oh okay <laughs> well that's fair that didn't read to me as something that was a normal thing that happens on hospital gurneys uh i've never seen that Two before in my three. life yeah Fair but enough. That is, could is just be the, the shoddy effect. Maybe so, that is canonically. It's not a gurney thing. I just believe that this is a natural extension for some gurneys. I I don't believe the tray that's attached to a gurney that has that extension right. could fucking you know rip a man in half, especially. No especially like if you if you rocketed this gurney let's say we took this gurney right with the fucking corn boys on it and we attached yeah, a, yeah. a jet pack to the back of it right and just rocketed that motherfucker up a, a, a hallway toward a doctor a kindly old doctor i still don't think you would rip the man in half like and it's it's a clean cut. It yeah, is. Yeah, it's very like, smooth. It's like a um, hot knife through butter kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And then he just like the his top half falls on the gurney, and then his legs fall. I'm to the... starting to think they didn't really think a lot of this th- through. Okay, that's just not possible. I mean, uh, fair they also, the, the twins apparently degree. also coordinated getting their gurneys on opposite sides of that hallway and skating <laughs> through at the same speed so they could meet in the middle for a double slash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of, of well, they're professionals. Torso. Yeah. Well, maybe they loosened it up. You know, maybe it's like when you right. loosen up a jar. When they did, when they were slicing his torso, they like got it in. <laughs> they like they kind of like cut around the sides a little bit so that like the gurney didn't have to do a lot of work to penetrate <laughs> the remaining skin. Well, it is worth noting. And maybe he that just this had like a soft also spine because very... he was old. Maybe he had osteoporosis. That's true. <laughs> Maybe his bones are brittle, but he is a, a large man. So the, the, it wasn't like they were cutting through a Steve Buscemi or something. They were cutting through a, a, a bigger thick boy. So yeah, mm. but like how hard is any of that to cut through? I'm coming around uh, to Scott's point as a view. thick boy. I can tell you I'm pretty <laughs> tough to cut through. Nobody's managed to do it yet. <laughs> I've got a chainsaw. Come over, baby. We'll figure this <laughs> we'll, out. We'll t- test this out. <laughs> I wanted to bring up the director. Because this is really interesting to me. He's a guy named Greg Spence. And he directed two films. He did Children of the Corn, The Gathering, his first film, and then The Prophecy Part 2 as a director. But he was... (laughs) Yeah. Which is fitting. Those those two movies, you know, sure. I don't um, know if I've ever laughed more on an episode <laughs> of the show than learning about Children of the Corn. Corn part four. But what's crazy to me is like, you know, when you type in somebody's name in the IMDb, it shows you like they're what they're known for. This right. motherfucker is a producer on Game of Thrones, like the entirety of Game of <laughs> yeah. Thrones. Uh, can I, he was can the I production talk? manager of Inland <laughs> Empire. the bottom of how or why? Yeah. I, on Inland Empire. 
I know the answer I, I, to like looked, his career. Oh it makes sense to the, me. Oh fuck, I'm crying. I, I looked I looked through some stuff. <laughs> um and his very one of his first credits is Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth as the yeah. production supervisor for Miramax. He worked at Miramax and this was a dimension movie. So <laughs> yeah. I think somehow he wor- and that was in 92. So he like worked his way into as a production like a development exec or production coordinator. Um, no, uh, he, yeah, he, he, there was a quote, did you find supervisor. the quote from him about how this movie got made? No, no. What, what's the quote? So, okay. So he was working and I've seen this happen before. It makes sense. He was working as like a post coordinator. Then he right. became like a production, like supervisor and a post supervisor. And so he was right. working on a bunch of movies at like at Miramax and like for specifically dimension. And then one day, uh, Bob Weinstein, said to him um why don't you just like pitch me some ideas and that was straight up it he he was like you could do a children of the corn movie like this and he was like okay how, what would it cost well, and, that's like, ran like, the numbers that's and was a, like sure and like gave him his shot to like make a movie and then that's and also then the was, dimension like, model you know yeah pitch an he idea like, we gotta not? keep the Someone rights has an idea i've worked with them before i know i can trust this person to deliver like on time and on budget because they've been managing that end of things like on a couple of movies for us in like post. It's how a lot of like VFX supervisors, I mean, that's, that already requires a little more like directing to begin with. Um, But like, that's how a lot of people, yeah. in different facets of like production wind up getting their, their movie. It's like that you form relationships, you do a good job at your job and then someone gives you a shot. So yeah, he did that and he did prophecy. And then it seems like he just kind of returned to, um, producing, but it seems like more in like a physical production sense. Right. Where it's like making sure the sausage gets made on time and on budget. Um, was my read of the situation. That's that's yeah. what his IMDb was telling me. Yeah, just looking yeah. at the and credits. Then, yeah, yeah. And then he moved into like associate producer on on John Adams and Generation Kill, which leads me to believe he's at HBO, right? Those right. are both HBO shows. Yeah. And then, so he and was like, the what he HBO does, by the way, really hard like, job. Yeah. I can't do it. And mad respect yeah. for him. I, I want to say that. Like, you have to be super organized and also like a good I have no respect like, for this man. Yeah. He also might be like a complete jerk. I don't know. I've never met him. So if you've worked with him and he's an asshole, I'm sorry for giving him credit. And if you worked with him and he's a sweetheart, I'm sorry for implying that he could be an asshole. But <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, respect for the job that he does doesn't say anything to his character that he directed these two movies and didn't direct again necessarily right here's a question that i have for yes. you ben um not for me that's fine i'll, I'll be over here now you'll fucking room. you you know this conversation but um <laughs> a thing we have talked about many many times on this show mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. stephen king's obsession with corn mm-hmm. uh yeah, it pops it. up over and over and over my again. toddler uh, also is obsessed with corn so I, I get it. Wait, why is your toddler like on the cob? She just likes or to just eat like, it. Yeah, Wait, straight you, up corn. You have a legit child of the corn in your house. Yeah, she's a. Yeah. She's a I guess you could say she's a, a child of the uh, corn. You have a corn gal. Yeah. It's it's she always asking me to call her boys, Isaac. never a corn gal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A corn gal. Yeah. Always but, a like, always a, a corn <laughs> corn's made, never a, a corn gal. <laughs> But, Sorry, I had to. But also, could uh, barely get it out. No, <laughs> it, was, it was good. Um, but you know, there's there's got to be a reason why he continues to employ the imagery of corn in his stories, mm-hmm. and you know, indeed, in in this franchise, which admittedly has nothing to do with Stephen King. But they took that ball and they fucking ran with it, right? They so, did. so do you personally have a theory? 
as to what Stephen King's obsession with corn is. I think he lost his V card in a cornfield. Go on. <laughs> Describe um, this. I think it was missionary. Um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think you broke Scott. <laughs> uh, how's my goal for the day? I knew I could, I knew I could get there. <laughs> Is it the uh, picture in your mind that's keeping you laughing? Is that what's going on right now? <laughs> of course it would be Mish. It's so I guess funny. I would. <laughs> I guess. Uh, here's the, well, uh, my honest opinion about when Stephen King lost his virginity is I am certain he's talked about it in detail somewhere. Just I don't having think he read has. I don't. King. He I don't, I've never heard has. that story. He, has well, he to had have. to have. He's, 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 talked, had he's talked about everything that's ever happened to his body in great detail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Eric, do you uh, respect, remember a story but... <laughs> about King losing his virginity? No, and I've I've or heard him. Forward or I've or read afterward. interviews. Get him back on the show and ask him. <laughs> yes, that'll be the top. Ben Meckler wants to know about <laughs> yeah. the time you you popped your cherry. Um, I yeah. would, I would like. No, to I've know, read interviews. Not of him. ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I've read interviews that he's done with like Playboy, <laughs> where he's talked about like fucking random sex stuff before, but like I don't remember any of those. Yeah. But it all seemed containing like his, his, his second or third time at the losing. earliest. What did yeah. he What did he say about the random sex stuff? I don't remember off the top of my head. I just <laughs> clocked it and got well. He was very open with this Playboy interview, and it was like uh, he did always. He did always for some reason, like no matter what he was talking about, end of the story with. But there was a lot less corn that time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's context clues we're using. Yeah. Uh, I know this is a really random aside, but uh, if you want to know about a. Uh, somebody's dick who you absolutely uh will ruin this your childhood um, go on fucking uh gene wilder read his autobiography that he wrote i was so excited to read this because i'm a huge gene wilder fan and i read it and he spends half of the fucking book talking about his first fucking boner the girl he wanted to fuck when he was 13 the girl he wanted to fuck when he was 14 he was the horniest motherfucker i've ever like read wow about and he was just writing about it. it's like i went to an all-boys school and i just had to jerk off under the 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 sheets when i was 13 it's just like dude i don't want to hear willy wonka's like there, fucking, <laughs> there is know. something how old is he when he wrote that that book like 70s 80s or something yeah, yeah. I, it was like 10 I years just, before he died i just read back to back mel brooks's autobiography and norman lear's autobiography and they also <laughs> both of them like they didn't go as far as like here's all the different places that i jerked it and why and to what but uh, <laughs> they they definitely like for whatever reason, it feels like they maybe it's just a thing where you hit an age where you're like, I have to tell everything, everything my body's <laughs> ever done. Like I have to have a record of this somewhere. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Personally, I'm full of shame about my body. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess well, that's ben, my guess when is you, even when did lied, you lose your down in a virginity? Field. Was it in a, co- a cornfield? Hmm. No, I think it was in a a human bed. <laughs> a human bed? Like yeah. a bed made of humans? Yep. Human furniture. We're talking like Ed Gein shit here? Did I not tell you guys I grew up around the shunting? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I think Stephen... I don't, well, so do, does Maine have corn? Is that a thing? I haven't been. No, but he spent some of like his early, early child. He was born in Maine and then he like moved out into kind of the 
where was it? It was like the it was the Midwest somewhere until he was like four, and then he moved back. Yes. Cornsville, USA. Yeah. So yeah, that that's where April's uh, theory of um uh, of that influencing and kind of being the suffocating nature of of endless cornfields, like the oh, greater. a lot more nuanced theory. and intelligent than mine. It sounds like that that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's a great theory. It's the best one we've heard. But I just uh, think it's always on his mind because that was the first time uh, he he had intercourse. Was it was lying it, down, uh, hidden amongst a <laughs> field of corn, and so that way he had the, the cover to uh, get away with it at an age where he couldn't like. I really hope this is one private of the episodes space. that Stephen King actually listens to. No, no, we Stephen, don't want to do that. If you're listening. Please don't be mad at me for speculating about this. And get it, you know, just yeah. get it, dude. But Out there in if that I'm right, can you DM me and tell me? Because it would like it'd be funny. <laughs> you know, that time I did missionary in the, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just you know, get a, like I just get you... a cold DM from Stephen King eight months from now that just says actually she was on top and no other information. And I have to like puzzle together. Like, why would he say that? Oh, <laughs> right. Fuck. Where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about children of the corn for the, the gathering? What are they gathering? Is it just the kids gathering? The kids don't yeah, actually do a lot of murder. In this yeah. yeah maybe yeah. just the one kid. <clears throat> we should talk about how there's uh, maybe the the very ending here where there's like a uh, we talked about the melting kid, but it's kind of like Evil Dead rules where they have to make him flesh by uh, by first like sacrificing a pure kid, and that ends up yeah. being Naomi Watts's daughter slash sister. And it was uh, weird because it was like I thought he already was flesh because he was walking around yeah, killing he people. Shows up. I, I think they tried to pull some Freddy Krueger shit because he's haunting Karen Black's nightmares at the beginning. Uh, it, but no, then he kills uh, Elder Private Ryan. Like, yeah. So like he's objectively he's, walking he's around. around killing people. But I See, guess I this makes it more real. There. I don't know. Yeah. But they, yeah. they gather all the kids that, that have been newly possessed and they each have to like cut themselves and put put their blood in a... Uh, like a little trough, like a trough in a barn or something mm-hmm. that's filled with water. And then the girl has to like drown in it. And it, it, it is a weird convoluted thing to rebirth this uh, new evil um, who is just like this tween that's uh, half burnt. <laughs> but they, they throw in the, the weird thing where they introduce one of the kids is uh, it, it, it has a, a blood clotting issue. So like if uh, he cuts yeah. himself and it's like very deadly He's anemic. for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so they throw that up there and then it's like, we can't ever cut. And then he like cuts himself right away and then he passes out. And then I guess he's fine later, but it's, it's like they introduced this whole subplot of this kid who, who can't, uh, survive any cuts. And then he cuts him his hand at the end and to help bring forth this demon. And, and then he's just fine. It's all right. We got it. We got you. That was a really good bit where it was like the guy, they're like in the middle of their plan and that kid's dad is like, wait, I got to go get my kid. You, you finish this up. It just chucks a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Watts. <laughs> yep. And then it's just like a scene of him, like running up behind all these kids looking around and his kid just passed out on the floor and he just kind of picks his kid up and walks, walks away. <laughs> it's like a Scooby-Doo like entrance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Ben, here's my final question. And all right. this is, uh, this is a question that came up. When... I'm going to click end call the second you finish this question. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's final one. Um, Promises were made. 
we had the Boulay brothers on a while back and mm-hmm. to do the original Children of the Corn movie and got into a conversation about how many corn boys you could fight at the same time and win. Yeah. So I'm curious uh, how how many like how many do you think you could take on at once feasible? There's not a limit. There's not. <laughs> no. Unlimited corn boys. I could go all day. You could take uh, right on now, a right thousand now my body, corn boys. Right now my body is conditioned to specifically do one thing, which is lift a child. Because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> and it's almost the only thing I've been doing for for close to two years. But so, that's a baby. That's a toddler. Yeah. You know? How? Here's the thing. I find this. I immediately hone in on the smallest corn kid. Um, All right. And it's going right. to be fine. I've also been taking Kung Fu classes. Not a joke. have to preface it that way. Um, okay. And let so. Me, well, well I, hold on. Let me let, let me give you some parameters. To work sure. With here. You're facing 20 corn boys, right? All right. Easy. So um, five of them have, let's say, torches. Sure. Five of them have pitchforks. Five okay. of them have meat cleavers. Okay. And five of them have ropes with uh, hooks dangling at the end of them mm-hmm. in the spirit of Children of the Corn for the gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're facing down 20 people. Yes. Some of which, some of whom have actual weapons in their hands, if not yeah. fire itself. Now go. Okay. So uh, it's super easy. I go right for the smallest one. There's a pitchfork. Uh-huh. I grab the pitchfork and I hold it in one hand. I grab the kid with my other hand. I swing the kid around, giving myself a, para- a perimeter because none of these kids mm-hmm. have ranged weapons right, at all. Right. It's all melee weapons. So I grab one of the kids and I swing the kid around, giving myself a perimeter. Chuck the kid as far and as hard as I can. Now right. I've got some space around myself and I've got uh, a pitchfork. I've been studying the staff for the last couple of weeks and uh, my Shifu actually says that I'm really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm pretty good specifically with spinning uh, the staff. I have really good control. Um, and so like I start like Donatello. No, exactly like Donatello. So I start spinning that pitchfork and I'm just fucking shredding anyone who comes within uh, arm's range of me and the pitchfork. And pretty but much the volume, can't. the volume of corn boys doesn't surely. matter. Doesn't matter. A, a, a full on circular perimeter around be, me I of know, whirling blades. Be, I know. I understand. But you can't be everywhere at once. I don't. And have if to there's, be. I'm if that there's, good. If there's 19 of them now, because you you took out the smallest child. It's um, trust me. It's not. It's going to be zero real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I think you this, would fall. No way. Uh-uh. And also, I will say, like, my eyes, once I have the pitchfork in hand, I've given myself a perimeter, my eyes immediately go to the kids with the torches. Those torches are getting knocked over. Those kids are bursting into flames. I've got, hmm. I've got, a, I've got a, a fucking four-foot, five-foot-long weapon. Are you kidding me? I don't have to get anywhere near the fire. Knock the I know, torches but all over. It takes, Those kids but all, erupt into flame. But all it takes is one corn boy to come in there with a fucking machete and like slash your Achilles he's heel. He's not getting close. He's While not you're, getting close. He's, he's crawling on the ground. You're over here spinning your fucking staff like Donatello. I'll and he's send like, you a video of me spinning the staff. Trust me. They're not getting <laughs> anywhere close. <laughs> 
Also, you know, I think my pain tolerance is high enough that like if one of them snuck through the scythe, they get one <laughs> slash, but that's it. There's no more after that. I know, I really, but how do you know it's not one, a good I don't slash. even think one of them is getting a in good there. Because sl- they're if children. It, I know, but they're fucking <laughs> but, very determined. What's the yeah. oldest corn kid in this scenario? How old? We're talking 14. 14? So we're, we're into like Malachi territory. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking about twelve and up on this. They're not coordinated fourteen year olds. They're going through a lot <laughs> of changes. They're taller than they can really handle. It's like a they it's might like have bladed gurneys. Spirit. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. A blade. They're gonna have to like make a path for the bladed gurney. I'm gonna have so much lead time to see the bladed gurney coming, and then I use that's my what Doc Rob thought. I use, I use my weapon to flip the gurney up and all of a sudden they go, Oh no. And it starts flipping onto them. Oh, and I take okay. out, I take out five or six right there. I'm like Jackie Chan. Well, uh, things rolling at me. I flip, I just, right. I use my, uh, pitchfork to flip it over. And then boom, are you doing this gleefully? Are you doing it gleefully no, or solemnly. are you like reservedly? I take no mm-hmm. joy in, in harming anybody. Generally speaking, I'm a pacifist. Even even with corn, but it's boys. a capital F I S T fist in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given us a lot to think about today. I hope so, <laughs> and and I <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, this is usually the point in our show where we allow our guests to pitch whatever their next project is, and I, I think we talked about that a little up front, but. Go ahead and give the audience your your elevator pitch for Kung Fu Panda. The- yeah, I have no idea if any of the other stuff I'm working on will be announced by the time this goes up, but I'm thinking no. Uh, but generally, you know, watch anything I have anything to do with um, mm-hmm. to be nice to me. Yes, yes. Is, is my general blanket pitch. And then uh, watch Kung Fu Panda the Dragon Knight on Netflix July 14th. Um, I think the show is going to surprise people. The mandate, I, I'm like, what am I legally allowed to actually say about the show? But the mandate from the beginning was like, take whatever it is, take the DNA of what people love about Kung Fu Panda, the character Poe, um, and uh, fuse it with a new epic fantasy mythology and story on a scale of Game of Thrones. That was like the actual ask. Um, with like from, eroticism though, right? Yeah, with the, with the scale. And please don't uh, make my employers mad at me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the scale the scale of Game of Thrones. Um, but it is it is a genuinely like epic uh, globetrotting uh, series that uh, me and a group of writers work and, and an incredibly talented group of, of animators and storyboard artists um, genuinely around the world worked on really, really, really hard for the last couple of years uh, to deliver something that felt really fresh, really cool, really exciting. There's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of like very cool fantasy mythology. Um, and there's a lot of uh, obviously like great action. And uh, and I think it's also very emotional. We really tried to, to give everything we had through an insanely dark time in uh, our <laughs> in history in our lives, we were working on this show. So uh, I think it's really awesome, and people are going to love it. And I and I hope uh, you give it a shot, even if it doesn't seem like something you would enjoy. I, I promise you, uh, you you were someone I had in mind while we were writing it and making it, and I think you will find something to enjoy. Well, that's Wonderful. about as good an answer as we can hope for, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, man. This was a this was a blast. You almost killed Scott. So fun. He almost killed him. <laughs> yeah, I have I'll never laughed that time. fucking hard on an episode. Period. Like, oh, <laughs> any non Mallory episode, maybe, but yeah, that's true. But I was I was wheezing at, at, <laughs> at multiple points, and I don't, you know, I don't come easy to a, a wheeze. You mm. know, yeah, that's you're not, not wheezy. A thing I, yeah, it's just not a thing I do. But but sometimes, you know, it happens. Yeah, you can get there. And I'm also see if I can push it further next time and get you hospitalized. <laughs> uh, and also, Ben, I, I really do think we should still do our Star Wars hotel idea. At some oh, point. yeah. We um, you got to do you want to tell the listening? tell yes. the listeners what our idea was? It's, is it I'm, really? I will, any... I will fucking murder you, Scott. You know I'm a Disney Parks fan, and you're plotting this. Thing <laughs> you don't want any part of this, else. baby. You know this is yeah, this, this is, is dangerous stuff. You're you're pure of heart, Eric. You don't want a part of this. Scott and I want to go to the derelict Star Wars <laughs> hotel <laughs> when it inevitably shuts down, and they're like, "This place is done." <laughs> we <laughs> we, we, wanna... we we were like so close. We the idea was like two idiots on a star cruiser and we would go and like go to like crowdfund this entire thing in order to like pay off the the sheer cost of it mostly because i genuinely cannot afford that that hotel no fucking (laughs) course not it's like five thousand dollars or some shit to sleep in a fucking that and that that was part of it like we got really hot and bothered about this idea for like a week (laughs) and and uh looked into it and we're like, you know, it was just going to be Ben and I going to <laughs> the Star Wars hotel and causing a disruption as much as we could without getting mm-hmm. thrown out and recording a lot of that and then turning it into a podcast. And <laughs> and and then we both told our <laughs> wives we were going to do this and they got so mad we didn't do it. Yeah. Well, Kirby Kirby thought it was a great idea. She was just like, but I have to also go, which means but those our, cabins our kid has fucking, to come, the, which means it's going to cost $20,000. Yeah, and the, and the cabins in that fucking thing. We were like, well, they're tiny. They're comically we're gonna small. Have to, we're going to have to go for like the VIP one because at least this one has a place to put your hands or legs while you're sleeping in it. You know, because like the minimum version was like... <laughs> It's a broom closet with like, I don't know, yeah, uh, about the size of a breakfast nook. Like that's the They're size like, of your you fucking hotel room. Now I'm going to put you uh, into this briefcase that you get to sleep in with minimal <laughs> theming. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the most brazen. I'm honestly like it's it's a completely dur- unhinged to me that they actually are charging what they're charging for this. Place. I think you were on my podcast, Scott. When you broke the news to me, what it costs to stay at the yeah, hotel. That's true. And there, it was like 10 minutes of me being like, I can't proceed. I need to process this information. How dare they? And now they're selling like a fucking $5,000 drink on one yeah. of their boats. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's star Wars shit or some, some nonsense. It's, it's a like $5,000 star Wars drink. That's like mm-hmm. literally in a shot glass. Like imagine the fucking the the nerve, the temerity <laughs> to be to be out here doing that shit right now. Like but Yeah, no, Eric, if it sounds like it would be fun to go uh with us to that, then by all means. Oh no, no. I just uh <laughs> Yeah, I, what I if we took... what if we just crowdfund fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> and we go on the fucking boat and we all eat 
or excuse me, drink the $5,000 drink. I mean, we'd be pilloried for it, you know? Oh, right. But I well, think I think people. If I ever buy and drink the five thousand dollar drink, I deserve to be guillotined. That's something <laughs> I'm saying on the record. Yeah, that's like eating gold, edible gold and shit. And yeah, <laughs> how yeah, could no, it possibly it, cost I, I looked, that? Much. I looked into that. It's like a forty eight hundred dollar like booze that that you're getting. Like that's what it costs normally, and you're yeah. paying like two hundred bucks extra for 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 the uh, the little ice cream maker container or whatever that that, that it's in yeah what booze is forty eight hundred dollars it's a whiskey i think it's some sort of like super aged crazy rich people it's fucking did booze. disney age it or are they just reselling someone's good whiskey yeah i think they're reselling good more. whiskey but i mean i mean <laughs> they also resell fucking beer bud bud Not light and shit at the park dollars yeah yeah a different category of thing they're right. doing I can, I can, I don't know. It's like going to a hotel or or like a rich hotel and they have like a, you know, the King has cognac or whatever. That's the King cast needs its own merch where we have just a motorcycle helmet filled Uh with gin and it's $5,000. And that's what you get. Like you get a little bottle of gin, you get a motorcycle helmet and then you drink it out of it and your life is better as a result. Well, getting a liquor license is going to prove to be a little tough. We can do this on the slide, baby. Don't worry. Okay. No one's going to give us $5,000. No more laws. The Supreme court's fake. Uh, (laughs) liquor licenses are pretend. (laughs) Do whatever you want. (laughs) All right. Well, Ben, uh, thank you for being here today. This was a, a delight. And it was uh, my pleasure. We hope to have you back and we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Many thanks to Ben Meckler for coming in to finally force us to watch Children of the Corn Part 4. Uh, this is something actually, I don't think I mentioned it on the, on the show, but, uh, there's a moment in this that it felt, the movie felt fairly new to me, but I know Mm -hmm. I've seen it. And because there's a moment in this that I remember like watching when I picked up the, uh, VHS at Blockbuster, because that's one thing that these children of the corn movies were, they were always like, they had a wall at every Blockbuster in Hollywood video. Uh, every time their new one came out and the new one seemed to come out every eight months for like a nice four year period there. Um, and, uh, and I know I'm, I rented this piece of shit because i uh i remember there's there, there's a one of the visions that uh i think karen black has where one of the corn boys like that she's thinking about like does this weird janky like cut frames walk like on goat legs or something <laughs> right, into a right. frame i remember seeing that and as like a teenager and going oh that's one of the creepiest things i've ever seen uh, uh, and it doesn't quite, quite hold, hold that power, uh, so much today, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, it does uh, not. But yes, so this is a revisit. Uh, and this is also kind of marks the first corn boys that, uh, that were like, oh, okay, this is what I thought the children of the corn movies were in my head. Right. Know, Cause we, exactly. we got a little surprised by two and three being as fun as they were. And now I suppose it's on to five inevitably before, uh, you know, we got to get through this entire I know. fucking franchise. There are how many have... left? Like 17? Oh, Christ. I don't know. Uh, that that was a, a joke, but it might not we be might, We I might, might be to, closer to We it. might need to pick up the pace on, on Corn Boys sequels. If, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be we 75 to get years con- old still talking about fucking <laughs> yeah. like early aughts Corn Boys. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to be in a home fucking <laughs> recording, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know ban on uh children of the corn fucking 19 or, or whatever it is <laughs> yep i like the part where the corn boys killed the man yeah uh <laughs> it's it's no one's gonna 
be listening to that. And I think what I think is this it show with Stephen King and Corn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't figured it out. <laughs> He's been dead for forty years. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we might need to pick up the pace on these. Maybe maybe we need to do like one a quarter or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It depends. You got to space out the corn boys, though. Too many, too much corn boys is uh, is not good for for anybody, let alone the listener. So I think one out of I think one out of twelve. Well, maybe that's a bit much. Hmm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But you know, thank you to Ben for being here. He came in and did an exquisite uh, graveyard shift commentary with us mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. some months ago, and uh, I have been wanting to get him on the main feed. One of the funniest fucking people I know. Um, I. <laughs> My face hurt from laughing after <laughs> recording this episode. It was it was so good. Uh, so I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we uh, enjoyed having Ben on. And I, I doubt that will be the last you hear of him on this show. Yeah, no, he'll he'll be back for sure. Anybody that almost kills Scott by, you know, with laughter, <laughs> like one of the weasels from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> this is more than earned a place on the show. Uh, but uh, we should talk about what's coming up. Uh, let's start with next week. Uh, I, I'm going to claim the reveal title for next week because I love this book. This is one of my all-time favorite King books. We are going to be talking once again about The Long Walk. Our guest is going to be somebody who you recognize. He's a very funny actor, Very has, has played a very funny role in something that I am sure a lot of you are huge fans of. Uh, I know I am. And uh, that's about all I can say without tipping the hand. So I'd like I to drop a bombshell clue. Something Ooh, real, it. something real obvious, but what the fuck? Why not? This person was on Veep, mm. uh, which is a, a show I dearly love. That's right. Uh, and we got I, Julia I lo- Louis Dreyfus. It's oh, going God. to be it's amazing. It's not Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> oh my fucking god! I would lose my mind if we got. JLB she would never come on the show. show, and I can tell you why because I would bring up. Uh, uh, troll, and uh, there's no way that I would I could ever oh, talk of to course. Louis Dreyfus and not bring up her her being in troll. Okay, so, but we should try to get JLD on the show. Like now that I'm right. thinking about it, maybe maybe this guest is our our portal to that. Ooh, good good call. But uh, no, it is not Julia Louis Dreyfus, but uh, a very funny person, and um, they seem very excited to talk about this particular title, which is always good news for us because yes. that means the episode is going to be a banger. So yeah. Tune in for that next week. Uh, this week on the Patreon, uh, we're going to do a little uh, one-on-one situation with me and Vespi here. A little little catch-up with the KingCast. Yeah, we got a lot to tell you about. Uh, State of the KingCast Union. <laughs> State of the KingCast Union. Uh, we I, I just got back from a vacation where uh, some interesting things happened that will be of of interest to Shelbyville players. Mm-hmm. We got the news to discuss about. Uh, Salem's lot getting booted down the road to April of next year from its position at, uh, in early September of this year. Right. We got a, a, a little chit chat to have about King's new novel fairy tale, which is also arriving later this year. And, you know, we'll, we'll have a little conversation about what, what Vespi and I did in new Orleans. Uh, we've had a lot of people ask us about like where we ate, uh, what we saw, that kind of shit. So we'll rope that in there. It'll be like a, an all-inclusive conversation 
with Vespi and I about, you know, everything that's been going on lately uh, with with some teases about uh, what we have coming up. We think you'll enjoy that. We're just going to be kind of shooting the shit and giving a little behind the scenes peek at what's going on over here at KingCast HQ. No, no, this is going to be uh, uh, kind of a fun, like kind of fireside chat thing. That's kind of how we're, we're viewing it. And we're definitely not doing this because we didn't have another <laughs> bonus episode with a guest book. No, for sure. I not. just want to be clear about that. that. Like we would never, you know, do that. Yeah. It's it, not it's, a thing. It's certainly not that Scott took a vacation and we didn't book anybody for this, this Friday. No, and, that uh, would be like, that would be weird. And that would be know. so unprofessional. Then we have, we have so, we have so many bonus episodes banked. You guys have no idea, but we wanted to make sure probably a thousand. This, yeah. Behind say. the scenes peek at, at what's happening at the King cast. <laughs> <laughs> so come for that at patreoncom slash the King cast plus a bunch of other, you get you get that illuminate surely illuminating conversation that we're gonna have, and uh, you'll also be getting you know almost two years now worth of commentaries and bonus apps and interviews and a bunch of craziness. It's totally worth it. Come join us at Patreon.com/slash The Kingcast. Uh, sign up, and uh, yeah, so we got that coming on Friday, and then next week we will be discussing the long walk with some mysterious person from Veep. Adios, folks. Bye. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. <laughs>